Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Claussen, and today I'm chatting with Elizabeth Summers. So um, I call her Liz, so you might hear me call her Liz on the podcast. Um, she is an RN turned entrepreneur, and I'm really excited to have her kind of wrap up the pre-postpartum fertility month um, of October. So I'm going to kind of first throw it over to you. I like to um, give you a few kind of rapid fire questions to kind of get to know you a little bit better, Liz. So I okay. want to first start with what is your favorite season? Actually, it's fall, believe it or not. It's October. This is my favorite month. So, yes. yeah. Me too. You're, you used your intuition, I'm sure. Yeah, I know. <laughs> to, when to I'm like thinking this. of the questions, <laughs> what would they say? Uh, well, what about, what's your favorite thing to drink? Tea. I love tea. Um, Any uh, jasmine, jasmine pearl tea from Peace Coffee, actually, because they make it perfectly at the right temperature. So oh, I love that. Not too yeah. hot so you can drink it right away. No, they like use the thermometer and every or whatever they do, you know, to check that the water is exactly the right temperature for the tea. And I'm super picky about that. So Oh, I love it. So yeah. What about what is the best city to visit in your opinion? Ooh, um, I love San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I know I a lot of people are like, oh, it's so rainy and this and that, but it's just like, I don't know. I just I love Chinatown. I love all the different restaurants and architecture and Golden Gate Bridge and all of that. I love it. And then my final one of um, just kind of getting a little background on you is how many kiddos do you have? Yeah, I have two. I have a six-year-old and a nine-year-old. So Perfect. So a little context for everyone. Yeah. So um, I am going to kind of throw it over to you. So first, a little background in case. Um, so I do know Liz and I have been sub training her as a personal trainer. Um, well, her, her trainer is actually on maternity leave right now. So I have a little bit of background information, um, but I'm going to, obviously the audience probably does not. So I want to kind of actually, I actually don't know this first question about you, but tell us a little bit more about your background and how you went from an RN turned entrepreneur. How did that kind of shift happen in your life? Yeah, totally. Um, well, I was basically, um, I was in grad school and I was, I was studying to be a midwife. Um, and got kind of halfway through the program and realized that I did not like that lifestyle, <laughs> which was maybe a little late to have that epiphany. Um, but I uh, happened upon a business coach um, and I knew I had a business. I still have a business in network marketing, but I, that's kind of where I started into the field and um, got with the business coach. And she said, you know, I really want you to have something for you, I want you to be able to build, you know, a business that, you know, build your own brand. I mean, you could still, you know, represent with this network marketing, but like, what else do you want to be about? And so that was kind of the first time that I ever had my eyes opened up to like, what is it to be an entrepreneur? What is it to create your own brand? And um, that was kind of the beginning. And I, I know uh, Andrea loves, you know, she's, she's done different coaching programs and masterminds and all of this. And we talk about that when she's making me do my weight training, <laughs> killing me in the, in the room. Um, and so, yeah, I, I didn't know anything about it. And I, I realized, oh my gosh, like this is totally what I want to do. I want to create content. I want to, you know, help, help people as far as with education about, you know, everything that, that I feel like is important to know when you're planning a family and recovering from having a baby and all of that. Yeah. So how did you kind of get interested in diving deep into, you know, I guess that realm of things. So for, you know, postpartum recovery and, um, birthing processes, how did you kind of, I, you know, 
pick that as your mainstay then? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it started, you know, um, honestly, probably from when I was in nursing school, I did, I did an OB rotation, um, or I was on the labor and delivery unit and I fell in love with it, but I thought, you know, I'm not an experienced nurse enough yet. When I first came out of nursing school, I thought I've got to do med surge. I've got to do something else. So I did all the other kinds of nursing before I finally came back to, um, women's health. And, but really it was my, um, my experience of having my son that kind of, um, opened my eyes to the struggle that women face. Um, I, when I was pregnant with my son, I was just searching the internet, Googling everything. And awesome. So I was Googling everything, like I said, on the internet and, um, trying to figure out, I knew I wanted, um, a natural birth, unmedicated birth. And it was just frustrating looking online because I, even being a nurse trying to navigate all that information, I felt like, I don't know which information, you know, I should believe and which one I should look at. And obviously I can sift through that, but being, being a pregnant mom at the time, it was just, it was overwhelming. Um, and I also had a provider that wasn't supportive of my natural birthing plan. And so I ended up changing providers and uh, getting a midwife and hiring a doula and driving 80 miles in labor to, uh, to a different hospital. Oh my gosh. Uh, during, during October, uh, <laughs> snow on the ground and all of that. Oh uh, gosh. So, so really like that experience kind of opened my eyes to, oh my gosh, like other women are going in to their provider and maybe they're, maybe they're talking about their birth plan, maybe they're not, but they um, aren't necessarily getting the support or the recognition of, you know, what their preferences are or having those respected. And that was, that was super eye-opening and frustrating to me. So I feel like there's a need for it out there. Um, I also like had a lot of issues postpartum, postpartum depression. I had high blood pressure, some bed rest, so many things happened. And I realized, oh my gosh, we're not giving, you know, moms enough support postpartum. You know, you go home, they tell you, we'll see you in six weeks and you're supposed to somehow figure it all out. And, uh, if it's definitely, if it's your first baby, that's, that's a challenge. So, so kind of a personal, and then, you know, that mixed with my nursing training, even the midwifery, um, program that I started, you know, got me kind of into, well, what is, what is maternity care like today in America and what are all the problems and why do we have so many women dying in childbirth, um, you know, in this supposedly first world country. So that's kind of the, the background on it, how I kind of got inspired. Mm. Thank you for sharing. And I have like so many questions that like spiraled out of that, but oh, good. one of the first ones that I want to talk about is, cause I think this is something that I've seen with, you know, clients that I'm training, um, is just that not feeling supported, you know, by their, OB. And can you talk a little bit about that? Cause I think sometimes there's fear around changing providers or, you know, not knowing what to do if they're like, well, this is what I, I want to do. And they're, I'm not feeling supported and they just might feel overwhelmed by the whole situation. Totally. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I, I got, I, I want to say very common, I guess I don't really know how common it is that that happens, but I hear, you know, anecdotally of it a lot, um, at least in the circles that I'm in. But I think, uh, yeah, I mean, in my case, I came in, it was sort of my first, you know, I don't remember how many weeks I must have been, you know, at the, one of the first visits. Um, and I kind of told her this Pollyanna version of this natural birth that I want to have. And, 
she listened. Um, but when, when I got done telling her this whole story, she said, yeah, you know, most women just get the epidural. And to me, that was so frustrating because I was like, um, you know, you just discounted everything I told you. Oh. Like, you're just basically telling me that no matter what, I'm going to go in there. The pain is going to be so awful that I'm just going to, it'll just be better if I get the epidural. So that moment was like pivotal for me because I realized, well, if I, I can't work with this provider, if I stay in this situation, they're not going to be supportive. I'm going to be fighting it all the way. Um, mm. And I always joke because my husband was in medical school at the time and he did an OB rotation at that particular hospital and he had never seen an unmedicated birth. So wow. it's just kind of a, you know, an eye opening thing. Um, and so, and so I think it's, it's two things. It's women aren't, um, asking the right questions of their provider mm. and they're not speaking up. And then if they're getting directed in a certain way, they're not doing, you know, their due diligence to find out, um, that that's the right choice for them. I'm not saying that, you know, the providers aren't, aren't necessarily telling information that's evidence-based, but maybe, maybe the choice or the path that they're offering you isn't the path that makes the most sense for you. Mm. Yes. And I, um, I don't know if I've shared it on the podcast and I know I've shared it with you, but I think this would be, I guess, a relevant point from my end and what happened. Um, but I actually got turned away from my hospital cause they were full when I, wow. my water broke. And so my doctor I've been going to for years. I love my doctor. She is super supportive of me. And, um, I had to go to a different hospital than I, I never visited, never planned to go there. And so you have to come in just to verify that your water did break. And yes, it did. So we stayed there and I remember the nurse uh, that I had was wonderful. And she had asked me, you know, what was my plan? And I said, well, I don't really have a plan, but I just, my plan is just to try not to do an epidural. And so she just kind of asked me a few more questions of why she thought that, um, you know, I can make that happen. And I was like, I've, I have a really high pain tolerance. And my husband's like, yeah, she does. And she was like, okay. And then the more we chatted, she's like, okay, I think you can do this. So without her though, I don't think I probably, I probably would have had an epidural, but like she fought for me and found mm. a nurse after she had to leave that would actually follow through with my plan. And she told me that before she left, she's like, I'm sorry, you know, I'm in my, I don't know if it's 24 hours at, you know, nurses, is that true that you can work? before you're a shift. She was at the end of her shift. Yeah. Usually 12 hours. I okay. Hope. So 12, Sometimes yeah. 16, but it shouldn't be 24. <laughs> 12, 12 to 16, whatever yeah. hour cap it was. Right. Up. And so she needed to find um, a replacement and she was like, I'm going to find someone who is going to follow through with this plan. And she did. And she asked, I guess, quite a few different nurses before she found the one who was going to stick with it with me. And, um, like that without her, I don't think it would have happened because she, advocated for me. And, right. um, cause my doctor came in and was like, I'm just going to give you an epidural if you know, your transverse abdominis doesn't relax. And I was like, what I've been wow. for how many hours? And like, I'm almost like, I felt like I was probably close. I mean, it was probably still another, well, actually after she told me that my body like instantly knew what to do. And he was born like 20 minutes later. So I was like, Oh, you should have <laughs> told me that deadline. a long time ago. <laughs> deadline always works. <laughs> I know. Right. And telling me like the muscle. Cause I'm like, I'm a trainer. I understand where the yeah. trainer is. And it's like yeah. my body instantly was like, Oh, that's what's happening. Great. Let me relax. And boom, born. Wow. Years. And so again, like that's where I feel like having the right providers and I had no choice and obviously where he was born, um, in that aspect, you know, since I got switched hospitals, but, um, I think that makes such a big difference of just trying to go in and advocate for yourself and, you know, try to do that. And I've had many clients switch doctors, 
um, after they kind of have told me stuff and they're like, is this normal? Cause I think a lot of the time, especially with your first, we don't know if it's normal. Right. Exactly. So, like having the, you know, even sharing with someone and, you know, talking like with you and some of the stuff that you offer, just having that support and saying, Hey, there, this is another alternative method that you could look into. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I mean, we, and we know today that in healthcare, I mean, there just isn't enough time in the appointments yeah. to cover all the stuff that women need and want to know. And so sometimes it's not that, you know, the providers aren't telling all, it's just that they are so overworked and overstressed. And so it's just, you know, things get left to the wayside. And unfortunately, sometimes the only time that pops up is postpartum when moms are looking back and realizing, oh my gosh, you know, this was really upsetting. This happened to me or, you know, I didn't want things to go that way. And not that, not that you can plan everything in labor and birth, but at least what I, what I uh, wish for the clients that I work with is that they feel throughout the whole process that they had choice and that they were part of the decision making. Yeah. And that's something I want to talk about too, is, you know, why having a birth plan matters. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, honestly, the the biggest piece about the birth plan, I think for couples is um, it gives clarity. So for those moms, especially that, you know, sometimes I get moms out there that are, they are really adamant that this is what they want. They have a particular, I just worked with a gal that was like, I don't want an epidural. That is my absolute, you know, thing. Like other things can happen, but that's the one I don't want. Um, but others are kind of, you know, weighing the pros and cons of all these different things. And so when we get it into a birth plan, it helps people have clarity. And then when they go into wherever they're going to birth, whether it's home, um, out of hospital, birth center, or hospital, they feel like, they have structure and they feel like they can, they have a basis to communicate with their health uh, providers on. Um, and something I do for people is I write it out in a way that is in friendly medical speak. <laughs> I <like> to say. <laughs> so I write it in a way that the nurses can look at it, read it fast. And it's not too, you know, it's, it's not over the top. They can look at it and actually, yep, yeah, I see what, what they're looking for. And you know, how can we honor that? So it's not the point of making a plan to necessarily have it go exactly that way, but it's to give you the clarity so that you go in knowing, and it's also that you know what your pivot points are so that if something changes, you can say, okay, you know, I have this information um, and I'm okay with making this change at this point versus things are just happening to me. I just go in there and things just happen. They just do whatever they do. I think that's not, not the way we want to go. And especially knowing that, uh, women in labor, uh, you know, it's intense and I'm having been in unmedicated labors, you know, it's kind of like, it's hard to advocate for yourself when you're dealing with that intensity. So having that ahead of time, especially having your partner aware of it too, can help them also be, um, that advocate for you. Oh Yeah. And I want to talk about that too, because I think sometimes, um, you know, just kind of the choices that we have, the unmedicated birth versus, you know, epidural. So like going in, looking at that, and obviously there's C-sections as well. But um, I want to talk a little bit about that. And like none of those, there's none that are like better than the other. So if people are listening and they're like, oh, like we're just going to share just kind of the options. So that way people can kind of have maybe a better understanding about what they might look like. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, um, I think the biggest choice that people have to make, um, and of course, you know, sometimes it's dependent on their insurance, but 
where do you want to birth and who do you want to birth with? And that's going to really dictate the other choices that you have. So um, a lot of women ask me about water birth because I, I do on call nursing hours <clears throat> at an out of hospital birth center. And we have, you know, I think it's, it's just almost 50% water births there. And so that's an option that a lot of moms don't know about. Um, but the interesting thing is it's not available everywhere. Um, you need to have a provider that's going to offer it. And so you can't just go and, you know, plan to birth at X hospital and assume that you're going to get your water birth. Mm. Um, so that's where it's, who are you going to birth with and where that really comes into play? Um, obviously like birthing in the hospital, you know, there's anywhere that you birth, there's so many, um, non-medication, you know, things that you can do in labor to help, help it be, uh, less, uh, you know, to, to help ease it. Yeah. Like I don't use, I even like to, it, it, I don't know, pain. I mean, it is, it's painful, but it depends on your perspective and like what you're doing. I mean, if you're, yeah, if you're in one position and you can't move, that's, that's going to be more painful. So it's like, you've got the birthing ball, you've got peanut balls, you've got birth stools, you've got, you know, um, slow dancing with your partner. I mean, all that kind of stuff, which, which birth doulas are amazing at helping couples, you know, use all of those resources. There's nitrous oxide, um, which is amazing or so-called laughing gas. Um, I had that. Did you, did I you, did. what did, how did it work? For I, you? I told, um, cause my doctor had asked cause they didn't come to the hospital that I normally, or that I should have birthed at, but, right. um, they said they hadn't, they actually hadn't had it at that hospital yet. They were just trying it out at the hospital that my son was born at. And oh. I told her it only takes the edge off. You still feel pretty much yeah. everything. It just takes a little bit of the edge off. And, yes. um, so they, that's where I am also like, I don't think I could have sustained without it though. I think, cause I had asked for an epidural by the end, but they were like, no, like you, you can do this. I was like, okay, fine. Like <laughs> I didn't put up a fight. And, um, they're like, okay, yeah, she totally can do it because she's not like sitting here arguing. She's just like, okay, fine, I'll do it. A couple more hours. Yes. And so they're like, yeah, she's got this. So I said, without that though, I don't know if I would have been able to sustain without being like, yep, I need an epidural because I think it just distracted mm -hmm. me and I really yeah. focused on my breath. So like that helped me because obviously you're breathing into the mask. And so like right. that really got me focused on like the yoga breath. And you know, since I'm a yoga teacher, like that helped me like slow down. And relax. Totally. So I think that's where, you know, cause people have asked too, like, would I recommend it? I'm like, yeah, if, I mean, it just definitely helps with the edge. Yes. It can't, I mean, it really can't hurt. I think the only thing I've seen is sometimes moms get like a little bit relaxed or a little bit more mellow. Um, yeah. and so sometimes it's like, okay, now we're getting time to push. We got to really <laughs> like, we got to, we got to harness all our energy, but, um, it takes the edge off exactly like you said. And it's kind of, um, anxiety reducing, which no, can yeah. be huge for some people if they're getting anxious with all the, you know, feelings that are going on. Then there's, you know, IV medications, um, fentanyl, different, different options that way that aren't an epidural. And then of course, you know, there's an epidural, there's, there's final different choices, even the walking epidurals, which I have yet to find a hospital that does one that I've seen. Mm. Um, but they do offer those in some places, which is amazing. So you can apparently walk, got to wow. be monitored. Um, wow. so that takes away that fear of like having your legs, you know, not moving. So yeah. I think it's, you know, I never criticize anyone's 
particular choice uh, for how they want to birth or what kind of tools they want to use. For me, it's more about what do you feel aligned with your choice? Um, and, and is that like, yeah, basically, do you feel aligned with your choice? Do you feel empowered with your choice? And if you do, amazing. That's what I'm here to support you with. Um, it's not about, oh, you should do this or should do that because maybe that's not right for one person. Mm, yes. And can you talk about being induced too, while we're kind of on like the different ways? So if people are kind of like, um, they don't want the medicine to be induced, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, induction is kind of a, kind of a hot topic (laughs) right now. And, um, I think, you know, at least, at least in Minnesota, I don't know if it's us wide, but there've been some new kind of, um, restrictions on ordering induction if there isn't a medical necessity kind of before 39 weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what was happening before was that, you know, sometimes women were getting offered induction maybe before, you know, technically your term at 37, but they were getting offered, you know, maybe (laughs) before without a medical reason or before it was needed. You know, and you hear that argument of, oh, is it just for convenience of the provider? And I don't know if Mm -hmm. that's true or not. But so there's so many different, yeah, there's induction by Pitocin, which is a lot of people, you know, are familiar with that. You get the IV, they put uh, Pitocin in your IV bag, and then they regulate it to help get your uterus contracting. There's um, Cervidil, which they can put in your cervix. They can do um, balloon dilation of your cervix with kind of like a, like a catheter, um, and, and I don't know what other, other medications they may have out there now, but the whole goal basically is to get your cervix to dilate and to get your uterus to start contracting. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I would tell people is if you're planning an unmedicated birth, just know that if you're going to go the route of induction, if it's kind of, kind of on the fence type of a thing, um, most likely your contractions will be more intense with the Pitocin. What the heck? I had Pitocin. So <laughs> did you? I did. Oh, yeah. I, so that's funny. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. no. Cause she, she made it very minimal though. Cause she said that she had to, she's like, I'm sorry. This is like, they're not letting me not do this. And I'm like, okay. Cause I had no idea what it was at the time. Yeah. Um, and that's interesting. And which then it did go, it just kind of flatlined after that. And then we had like no contractions forever. Interesting. Um, but I did get in the water. And that's also when I was going to ask you with water, because um, do you like contractions in the water? Is that something that you recommend, like just to kind of loosen things up? Totally. I love the water for, um, you know, labor, easing, easing the discomfort of labor. Um, I think a lot of women feel safe in the tub or safe, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's the birthing tub or just a bathtub or even the shower, like water is a really calming thing for people. And so I think any time that women can feel that safe kind of cocoon feeling, um, that is amazing for helping the labor move along the way it should, because we know that, you know, anytime fear is introduced into the situation and this happens with animals as well, you can be in labor and fear can be introduced in whatever way. And then your labor can kind of stop or stall. Mm. so that um so you know if yeah so if getting in the tub I mean it's tricky when that's where you kind of have to make those choices like well if you have an epidural you know you can't get in the tub you're not going to yeah. be in the shower um and you know if you have certain medications or if you get you know have an induction you're going to need to be monitored on the monitor so that's going to give you less mobility mm. so it's it's weighing all of those things um obviously there's like reasons for induction that are 
you know, valid. Um, but it's all about talking with your provider about it and, you know, what's the reason that you think that I need this and how, what are the benefits and the risks of this? And just knowing that you always have a choice. You always have a choice. See, that's, um, I mean, I think that's, that's all good information. Cause I'm like, I don't think I knew that. And I, again, I had minimal cause I actually was in the tub, um, for part of my, well, I think I went in a little too early. Now I was going to ask again, I was going to ask another one, personal question, yeah, but I think this is also sure. like, people probably are wondering these. So I was once told by a yoga teacher, um, that you shouldn't get into the tub until you're like, um, seven centimeters dilated. And I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but do you have any, is that just something that she had heard? I'm not really sure. Yeah, it totally depends on, honestly, it depends on your provider and it depends on like for birthing tub wise, because that's what I have a lot of experience with. Um, you know, it would depend on the midwife and it would depend on how your labor is going. So if it's, you know, earlier in labor, sure, you could get in the tub as long as your labor is kind of moving along the way it should. If your labor slows down and you're not, you know, closer to pushing time, you would want to get out of the tub. Okay. and move around and do some different positions. So the biggest kind of thing about getting in the tub is that honestly, sometimes moms get so relaxed that, that their labor, it may not stall, but it's just not picking up. They're not getting that intensity that they need to do okay. the hard work of moving the baby down. Okay. So, yeah. So I would say it's dependent on the situation. It's definitely not a hard and fast rule. Okay. See, these are great, great questions that I'm sure other people might also have. Yes, they are great Throw them out to you. Um, so I want to also know, so if someone wants to do um, an unmedicated birth, is there anything that they could be doing, you know, during their pregnancy to kind of help or any um, tips or like, I know that some people do like, um, oh, I don't remember what it's called, where they kind of like meditate almost or really breathing techniques. Is there anything like that? Yes. Hypnobirthing yes. is what I'm trying to think of. Yes. Is that that you recommend? There's uh, so many different um, methods for kind of preparing for birth or birthing classes. Um, and I think it, it comes down to finding the one that's right for you and your, your partner. Um, ideally, something you can do together. Um, mm -hmm. I've done coaching with clients on that over, over Zoom like we are right now <laughs> um, virtually. So it's and, and with couples together, but you can do them in person. Um, hypnobirthing is amazing. I've, I've gone through kind of the class for that for providers. And what I love about it is it teaches, um, it teaches women to really kind of tap into their, uh, inner strength, their intuition, and kind of gives them even just more tools, but it gives them that over time. And so you, you actually go home and practice these exercises throughout your pregnancy. Um, and you practice them with your partner. So what you're doing is kind of creating this like uh, rope memory or habit. So when you get into labor, it's not like, Oh, let me try to remember that relaxation technique. Mm. No, it's automatic. Um, and sense. women that do hypnobirthing, uh, that really, you know, follow the plan. I mean, they have um, amazing labors. I, mm. they, you would look at them and you would think you can't possibly be so close to, you know, you can't be nine centimeters. I can't be so close to pushing <laughs> and they are, but they're so internal and they're using that um, breathing and visualization and mantras and it works. It works for the right person that is, you know, willing to do the work. Um, so I think my biggest advice would be prepare and do something hands-on, whatever mm -hmm. that looks like for you. There's, you know, two day workshops. 
Um, there's the Bradley method, there's Lamaze, there's so many different ones, but the bottom line of it is you have to practice the techniques ahead of time mm. because you can't expect to pull that <laughs> out of the yes. hat in labor and have it actually work for you. Unless you have an amazing doula that can really harness all of that for you and, and get you into those different activities. But I think it does take some training yeah, of yourself. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's where yo I went to yoga and our teacher, um, we would do like the same thing and we'd hold down dog and work on our breath. Yes. I went to her probably 12 weeks pregnant all the way through and twice a week. So by the end, like I knew those breath yes. inside and out. And I was always, by the end of pregnancy, I was like, oh, bored with this. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful she did that. Cause I didn't do any like prep in terms of like right. birthing or Bradley method. I did nothing. Um, and I just went to yoga and I don't know. I just assumed I had no idea what I was assuming, but I made it through somehow. And I think a lot of it was because she practiced those breathing techniques you yes. know, week in week out. And I had just had them in the back of my head and I told my husband about them. So he kind of knew them going in and because I didn't have a doula, it was just my husband. Um, right. who ironically, he's a coach, which also kind of an unfair advantage because the hospital afterwards, like, can we hire you as a doula? You are ah, amazing. I love it. And oh, he I was like, it. I am not watching this on a daily basis. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I'm like, I lucked out and he had like that coach in him, but I know that like, that's super helpful if someone's looking for, you know, just like, I've had many people who are like, I don't think my husband's going to be very good once he's in there. And I'm like, yeah, you know, having a doula, having someone else in there to help support you is also a great option as well. Yes. Yes. There's definitely um, couples that, you know, can do amazing as a team together, um, with the right prep. And then there's others that, you know, especially if you have a partner that's kind of skittish about certain things or, you know, they're just not comfortable. I find a lot of people aren't comfortable in the healthcare setting, which is odd because I'm super comfortable in there. So I get in the hospital, I feel right at home, but, but a lot of people, you know, that's when they start to get anxious. And mm. so that fear starts the minute they walk in the room. Yeah. And that's all of a sudden where you have the problem. And so, um, so sense. however you can mitigate that is, is huge. That makes sense. So now kind of transitioning from like the pregnancy and birth to the postpartum time period. Yes. Um, that one also I know is, can be so tricky and you are given pamphlets all pregnancy long of like, here's what to expect. And then once you <laughs> have the baby, you're like, and you're good. And you're like, wait, what? Yep. I need another pamphlet. What should I be doing? So what yes. are some tips that you have to help people really recover during that time period? My biggest tip is to plan for the postpartum as you plan for the birth. Mm. And I know that sounds crazy, but I think a lot of us, I did this with my first child, so much focus on the birth and, oh my gosh, you know, this is a thing and I've got to do all this prep. And I really didn't think about postpartum at all. <laughs> I don't think I and, <laughs> um, the piece of it is, you know, first of all, your body's going to be recovering. If it's your first baby, you get, you know, can do all the prep, but it's just not. And once you, you know, once they're in your arms and you're trying to figure out the breastfeeding and your bottom is sore from birthing a baby, all those things kind of happen at once. And I think that we are sorely under supported in, in the U S as women for postpartum, because, you know, a lot of times the dad, you know, he's going back to work in a week or three days. And so it's building that support, figuring out like, what is that six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, a year, whatever amount of time you're going to be home full time. What's that going to look like for you? And what are you going to be doing on a daily basis? Cause you can't have that same expectation for yourself 
uh, as a wife, mom, you know, housekeeper, yeah. uh, business owner, whatever it is, you can't have that same expectation uh, when you've just added this other huge responsibility. And I feel like that guilting and that feeling like I can't do it all and, you know, not having the support set up, you know, have, a, have you know, a different person stop by throughout the week that can drop off groceries and give them tasks that are supposedly, you know, boring or have them clean your kitchen. It's not about, I would say to moms, like, it's not about other people coming and holding your baby. That's not what they're here for. You should be holding your baby and cuddling unless you want to get in the shower. That's awesome. Go get in the shower. But, but they should be doing the stuff that you, you know, so you have that bonding time, and, mm-hmm. you know, making sure your milk's coming in and all of that. So I think we're not, we're not set up for that kind of mindset. It's, it's go, go, go in this country. And so on top of that, with like healing yourself and doing the proper, um, you know, just like you and I've talked about, like a lot of moms go back to really intense exercise way too soon. Yeah. Um, or we have this expectation that, you know, we should just be going and we'll go running in two weeks after we had a baby. It's yeah. like, uh, so, so I think it's expectations and then really setting up a plan, getting the help you need, um, planning for that just the way you planned down to the, to the detail with the labor and birth. Yeah. I, um, you know, I agree on that. And I had like that six week checkup mark. Um, a lot of the times, especially, you know, with the workouts, you're like, all right, you're good to go. And a lot of the times the doctors are like, yep, go back to whatever you were doing before. Right. And that's where there can be confusion. And, you know, there really should be another step of like, here's actually some better exercises to do right now than going back to what you were doing before. Because, a lot of the times, the first time when I see people, the the first squat that they do, they're like, holy moly, like what is going on? And like your core just feels like mush. And you're like, I can't even figure out how to function or get myself into like the proper stance anymore. And these are people who've been working out for years and years. Like how, I mean, that's where it's so dangerous to just to go back to things because you have no idea like how to fire those muscles. And I had many, and I was super grateful. Usually I don't like it when people at the gym are like, Oh, this is your form should be here. Get your butt higher and critiquing me. Right. But during the postpartum time period, I actually really enjoyed it because I had no idea what was going on when I was like coming back into planks. And I was like, yeah, like, yeah, your butt's way up. I'm like, what? And so, you know, just having someone to like, just spot you and say, Hey, like your form was way off. And if you haven't looked in the mirror, you're like, oh my goodness, it is, you know, that little, that little help really, I think is, um, super helpful and not rushing into things. Um, yes. and one of the things I wanted to ask, uh, is that six week checkup. I've had a, I've actually had a couple clients who skipped that because they felt amazing and mm-hmm. um, they didn't go back for it. Can you talk a little bit about why you might want to go back to that? Totally. Um, Yes. I mean, I think, you know, ideally you would have had touch points earlier than that, but we don't have that set up today, how (laughs) how the system is. But so it's really like the chance for you to get in there and, you know, um, have another pair of eyes on you. I mean, you've been isolated at home, most likely you've been juggling all these things. It's a time when a lot of um, postpartum depression or anxiety start to pop up, overwhelm. Um, So there's just the mental health piece of it too. But it's also like, you know, figuring out what do you want to when do you have your next baby? What's your family planning plan? Um, you know, and do you need more steps after that six week? Like it's a time to sort of pick up on any issues that might be happening. So I think even if you feel great, um, you know, think of it as a preventative thing. I mean, just go in there and have it be a preventative, 
um, you and I have talked about like pelvic floor therapy and all of that. And I feel like that is a huge area that is under talked about. Um, and you know, hopefully you didn't get to the six week and then all of a sudden that's the first time you could talk to anyone about what's going on. But I mean, if it is the first time, at least at that point, you can start to access those resources and suffering and silence and struggling is the worst thing. Um, and you know, having that expectation, like I said, that you can, um, perform as before without rebuilding those muscles and all of the, what you said, the firing and, um, I don't know why we're in the dark about that as women, but I, it happened to me personally to go through all of that. And I had no idea. And I was a nurse and I was just like floored and I felt guilty. I felt bad. Mm -hmm. Like, why isn't my body working the way it should? It's clearly must be my fault. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's crazy the stuff that we put ourselves through Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to that. So that's a whole other reason to get in there, get in there. And, you know, if you've been struggling with, with things, you're not healing properly you have somebody who's, you know, hopefully going to listen and, and refer you to the right resources. Yeah. I mean, and I would even say like delete social media for a few weeks. Cause I think sometimes yes. that pressure, like when you're like, Oh my gosh, she had the baby the same time as I did. And they're already back in the gym doing these hardcore moves. And I'm still trying to figure out how to squat properly. And right. While that person could be feeling horrible and have no idea how their body feels but they're trying to put out this image. And so I think sometimes that does not help during that postpartum time, time period. I know for me, yes. I was like, I had to unfollow a bunch because I was like, oh, this is not making me feel good anymore. And, you know, like just making sure you take care of yourself mentally on that regards. Yes, totally. I mean, being honest with people, you know, your friends or whoever, you know, you don't have to put your makeup on before people like, just be honest. You know, oh, how do you feel? To- I feel like crap. You know, yes. I'm exhausted. I've had two hours of sleep. Uh, my baby is crying, you know, whatever it is. Um, yes. Yeah. More honest conversations. So if people are loving this information and they want to know how they can work more with you, can you tell them about your peaceful pregnancy, joyful birth course? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I developed this course, um, kind of with the idea of creating Uh, a place that, you know, just like when I was pregnant and looking up all this random information on Google, like, where's the place that you can go if you're an expecting uh, mom, expecting couple, you know, to find the answers to things. So yes, I mean, we talk about all of that, you know, the pregnancy, the labor, birth, the recovery, but we also kind of talk about like, how do you make those choices and navigate the system? And that's sort of what we talked about today, which like, how do you decide? Would it be best for me to have pain medication? Would it be best for me to have a water birth? So I give people that evidence-based information and then we sift through it through the course. Um, And, you know, we have live, live calls. We have a private Facebook group. So if people are interested in that, probably the best place to go would be my website. Um, And it's uh, virtualedoula.com. And they can, you know, kind of navigate from there to get information. But I do open it four times a year and I teach it live. So it's, um, it's awesome. I, I love the community that we've created with the women that go through the course. And, um, I think it gives them that peace of mind that, you know, if I need to look something up, I've got a place to go. I don't have to be trying to you know piece all this information together. Mm, yes. I love that. So where can people kind of connect with you? Is your website the best? Are you on any social media? Yeah, I'm on social media, um, Facebook and Instagram, LinkedIn, um, Facebook. I am at Elizabeth Summers Wellness. And then on Instagram, I am at virtual.doula. So I would love to 
connect with with um with whoever is listening to this person that's inspired on on social media um connect with me there i i'm on there every day so Perfect. So my final question then is, uh, I like to give a little weekly challenge to all the listeners. And when I have guests on, I have you throw out the little weekly challenge to everyone. So what would you like that challenge to be this week? Yes. Um, I would say for this week, a challenge for your listeners would be to think of the one thing that they do not do well, that is not serving them, that they are doing that they could outsource. And this can be if you're a mom, this can be if you're a full-time working woman. Uh, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, dad, that's the stay-at-home dad. What is the thing that you keep doing that is like eating up your energy and time that you can outsource? And then how could you creatively outsource that? Because I think the most important thing today is to really, you know, conserve our energy for the things that are important and matter to us. And and sometimes we get sidetracked doing all these other things that, you know, would be better done by someone else and get free us up to, you know, accomplish the goals that we have for, for the most important things in our lives. Mm, I love that. And I was actually just working on that yesterday. Ooh, <laughs> so awesome. good timing. Cause yes. I was like, where is my ROI on things? Where can I stop doing? So I love yes. it. It's very hard for us to give up as women. Yes. And I just started gro- ordering my groceries online because I'm like, oh, yeah. this is ridiculous. I'm spending an hour and whatever in the grocery store. And yes, I'm going to pay $10 more, but I don't care. I can get something done in that hour. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, saves you a trip, not have to get in the car, save yep. gas money. So there's your 10 bucks. Totally. Yep. Exactly. Oh, well, I love it. Thank you so much, Liz, for all of your information. I really enjoyed our episode and um, our chat today. Thank you. I loved your questions. They were amazing and it was super fun. And uh, I can't wait to, to keep on following for, you know, all that you have coming up in November for the next topics. And I love this month, you know, how you focused on women and fertility and recovery and pregnancy and all of that. So well, thank you. Thank yes. You so much. Yes. Have and a good rest of your day. Yes. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. <laughs>